Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's just pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the peace that you've given us. And Lord, we thank you also for the peace you've given our nation through the sacrifice of the few who gave their lives for so many. Lord, we just thank you that we can freely worship you without restriction and that we can come close to your throne without impediment. In Jesus' name, amen. The first word there is therefore. Now that's a fairly unassuming word and I don't know if anybody's ever heard of when you see a therefore in the Bible we need to stop and think about what it's there for. The Greek word for therefore is uin, which is a funny word, but it translated therefore it means then now or accordingly so. And uin occurs 526 times in the New Testament. So it's not an insignificant word, it's used a fair bit. And its translation means consequently or for that reason or this is how the dots connect to each other. If we look at a study of the first four chapters of Romans, we can it reveals the futility of trying to earn salvation and peace with God. It's a waste of time trying to make, purchase, bribe or bargain our way into God's favour. But then in Romans 5 it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, no one has to earn their salvation. God gives it to us as a freely, free gift, freely given. And all we have to do is believe. Nothing gets us into God's good books except faith and belief. So we have peace with God. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Ben launched a series on faith practices and one of the faith practices that he mentioned was search for peace and work to maintain it. Now, peace is a fairly timely subject today. We, we know all about Anzac. The nation stopped this morning to remember those Australian and New Zealand soldiers who fought and died to secure our peace as a nation. Now, I don't think I'd be very far off a mark to suggest that Anzac Day in the Australian worldly culture is the most spiritual day in our calendar. I've been to many a dawn service and it's probably the only day when you see in RSLs and similar organisations where people actually pray, they actually reach out to God. The rest of the year, they probably don't even mention him. But for some reason on Anzac Day, it's, you know, it's not as if God suddenly turns up on Anzac Day, he turns up every day. But in some of their way of thinking, Anzac Day and maybe Remembrance Day are the only two times that they get in touch with God. Now, I'm not glorifying war in any way at all. War is a terrible thing. But it's important that we stop to remember and we don't take for granted the peace that we enjoy, as a, that we, the many, enjoy as a result of the sacrifice of the few that fought and died. In fact, if you think about uh, well, the world at the moment, peace is a fairly rare commodity. You, you know, there's a lot of places in the world where terrorism, oppression and violence and war and the like uh, are still happening and they're happening all the time. But we enjoy a freedom, a comfort, a choice, a legal system that protects our rights, a social welfare system that ensures a basic standard of living, all as a result of the peace in which we live all as a result of what those who gave their lives in the theatre of war earned for us. 
Now, there's a similar situation for those who have faith in God. Paul says, now we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this peace is a peace which affects us in both the present and in the future. Not working. Missed that one. Oh, never mind. Okay, Romans chapter 5, verse 2. Paul goes on to say, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So our current status is that we have access to the grace of God in which we stand. In other words, we have access to that righteousness that Jesus Christ won for us. We've all heard of young people who get left a large inheritance. Maybe sometimes we've been people that have been left with a large inheritance um, and it's tied up in a family trust so they have to achieve certain things like it might be coming of age or getting married or something like that. When my father passed away, part of what he left was a sum of money for each of his grandchildren. But the condition was that those who hadn't already had to attain the age of 18 years before they could access that. There is still one that's under 18, so she hasn't got hers yet. But the other five grandchildren have already got theirs. But the condition was attaining the age of 18. So the inheritance that my father left had a condition. But the inheritance that Jesus left us, that God gave us through Jesus, there is no condition. There is nothing tied into that. There are no strings attached. But we can sometimes fall into the trap of feeling like we have to earn that grace, that inheritance from God. We might think that we have to achieve a moral reform or we have to uh, uh, have a, a devotion time every day, a religious type of recognition, if you like, uh, some sort of religious service. It might be having our quiet time. It, whatever it is, we sometimes fall into the trap that thinking the gift of righteousness is dependent on how we behave. But that's a misunderstanding of the grace and, uh, and peace that God gives us. There's no strings. We have it, access to it right now. When God looks at us today, he does not see our failings. He only sees the righteousness that Jesus Christ gives us if we believe in him. So we have peace with God right now, this minute. So even in this present imperfect world, we can rejoice in the peace we have with God. And even when we face challenges as a result of our faith, we can be confident of the peace we have with God. Let's look at Romans three, uh, 5, 3 to 5. It worked. It worked that time. Either that or they're looking after me at the back. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, even living in a fallen world, we can rejoice, we can boast in the knowledge. Whenever we face challenges, that leads us to peace. Now, remember, when Paul talks about suffering, He's talking about some extreme types of suffering. 
like being bodily thrown out of the synagogue, being beaten up, being spat upon, being thrown into jail. What else happened to him? He was imprisoned. He was whipped, shipwrecked and stoned, all because of his proclamation in Christ. Now, I'm not suggesting that we should face any of that. Please don't think that. But Paul did face those things, but it didn't stop him. It did not discourage him. It did not cower him or depress him or anything like that. I mean, he probably internally was struggling a bit, but he still pressed on. He still kept going. And that reinforced his confidence in the gospel. So how did it do that? Well, he says that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope, which does not disappoint us. If we hang in there with God, no matter what's happening to us, he's not going to disappoint us. That word character could be thought of as proven or provenness. Is provenness a word? It is now. Um, but it gives us the idea. It's what we've endured when we've had opposition come against us that we begin to discover that our faith is real and it is lasting. What's that old saying? That you, I haven't heard it for a long time, but what is it? Um, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. Our faith in God makes us stronger, even when we are faced with challenges. When those Anzacs first sailed in Gallipoli on 17th of February 1915, they were largely unproven soldiers. Most of them were conscripts. They'd never seen fighting, not real fighting, they'd only seen it in training. And the, what they were about to face was nothing compared to what they've experienced. Sorry, what they're about to face... They'd not experienced anything like that. So I can imagine not just a few of them, probably most of them, would have been praying uh, for all their worth as the landing barges hit the sand, that they'd show courage in the face of gunfire. And they would, have been, they would have been praying that God would save them from that. When the troops withdrew on the 9th of January 1916, having endured relentless gunfire, um, but making some progress against an immovable enemy in an unwinnable campaign. Those who survived could hold their heads high. They could know that they had been proven. They would know that their courage and their character was proven. And that would have given them confidence to go in their next campaign, knowing that they'll endure that as well. Now, please don't think for a minute that I'm demeaning the horrors of war. Those guys saw stuff that they should never have seen. Those guys endured stuff that they should never have had to endure. But as we endure as Christians, we persevere in our faith and we gain uh, just as our own perseverance does that. Those that are young in faith might sometimes wonder whether they have enough faith to see it through. But the answer to that is yes, of course we do. Why? For two reasons. One, because faith is never measured in quantity. Jesus said the faith the size of a mustard seed is enough to move a mountain. Jesus also said that faith, the quantity of faith we have doesn't matter. And secondly, if our own faith is weak, we can look at the faith of others and how they have endured hardships and challenges in their lives and not given up. Make no mistake, Satan has been trying to destroy the church ever since Jesus chose his disciples. He's thrown every weapon in his arsenal at us and the church has endured. So why has it endured? Because people have endured. 
They've persevered in their faith. And God has not let them down. And God will not let us down. And we can look forward. Paul says, our hope does not disappoint us. He knows that he'll go on. He knows the church will go on. And he knows that we will go on. And our faith has been proven over and over again. Now, this is not us proving ourselves worthy before God. He's already given, that, given us that. But we need to prove to ourselves that our faith is real. We need to hang in there and we need to put into practice what we're taught, what, what we've heard, what we've learnt, what we've read. The proof of the Christian's future hope is more than just the perseverance of the saints. It is this. too far there we are. in Romans 5 5 because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us as we look forward to the hope of God's glory we begin to experience it now in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit God has shown his love for us not just by sending Jesus to die for our sins and to rise for our righteousness. He has poured his love into our hearts. God says by giving us his spirit, he has poured out his love. Now, when we pour something, what does that imply? When we're pouring a bucket of water into something else, what are we doing? We're filling it up. So if God has poured out his love if he's poured out his peace on us, what's he doing? He's filling us up. He's filling our heart. He's not leaving it half empty. He's not only half doing the job, he's filling us. He is pouring out his love, his grace, his peace. He's pouring it out on us. He has lavished love upon us. There's a, a, a sense of abundant generosity in that phase poured into so this generous, just to show this generous, how generous God is, he shows his love and he, he does it practically. He pours it out for us. Romans 5, 6 to 10 says, You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So how was it the right time? It was the right time because while we were still helpless and weak God proves his love for us while we were still sinners he died for us it shows the nature of his love for us that is love is unconditional the love that he has lavished upon us is unconditional Christ died while we were still sinners now we can imagine a soldier on the battlefield taking a bullet for one of his mates we can imagine that can't we but can we imagine a soldier soldier taking a bullet for a member of the enemy. That just doesn't add up. That makes no sense at all. But what did Jesus do? While we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, 
He died for us. He took a bullet for you and me whilst we were still sinners, whilst we were still enemies, whilst we were still on the other side. And that shows the nature of his love for us. It is unconditional. Christ died while we were still sinners, while we were still his enemies. The other thing it shows is our righteousness is all his doing. There is nothing that we could do to make things right with God. It all depends on him. We are not anything of ourselves. Anything we try to do will be flawed. But God does what's needed. It's all his doing and it depends on him alone. And thirdly, he did it while we were still sinners and that assures us that nothing can separate us from his love. Paul talks about this further in Romans chapter 8, but that's another sermon. But for now we need to remind ourselves of that, that there is nothing that can separate us. We've heard people say, and maybe we've said ourselves, I feel like God was a long way away, or God has abandoned me. Well, this one's a classic, you've all heard this one. If I go to church, God will send a bolt of lightning because I'm so bad. Have we all heard that one? I remember years ago seeing on the back when they used to have those little paper train tickets. Anyone, most of us here are old enough to remember that? Before the cards came in. And they used to have little verses of various things written on the back, little pearls of wisdom. And I remember reading on the back of one, one time and it said, if you feel a long way from God and feel that he's walked away from you, who moved? Because God didn't move. We might walk away from him and we might feel like he's moved away from us but we need to move back to him. It's important to reflect on our condition because just as he was with us on the first day, the first time we ever invited him into our hearts, he's still with us. He hasn't gone anywhere. He hasn't moved. He hasn't shifted to a different address. He is still with us right from day one. Romans 5.11 But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now re re received reconciliation. One of the great things about Anzac Day and about the service that they have at Anzac Cove in Gallipoli is the fact that it's not just Australian and New Zealand soldiers there but Turkish soldiers as well. It has become not just a service of remembrance for those who died but a recognition of of the reconciliation that has come about since World War I. And so they can join together in peace and remember their fallen heroes. So we too can rejoice in reconciliation, in the peace with God that we enjoy through the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is a present reality that means we can already enjoy the presence of God with us. The peace he talks about in verse 1 is a peace that rests entirely on this fact. Though we were God's enemies, we've now been reconciled to him through the death of his son. And we can now get on with serving God to the best of our ability as his Holy Spirit enables us to do so. Back in Romans 5.10, it says, for a if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, 
much more surely having been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. The peace we have isn't just an external peace, it's also an internal peace, a peace of mind, a confidence in the future. On the last day when Jesus returns to judge us all, what do we expect? What does it say? It says, if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely having been reconciled we'll be saved by his life. Jesus died to reconcile us to God. That's our present status. So when he comes to judge, what will happen to us? Well, if we've already been reconciled to God and we've already been forgiven our sins and we're already at peace with God, then all that remains is for us to be raised to eternal life with him. Everything else is already done. Our sins have been dealt with, which brings us back to the beginning. We'll be given a new body which will reflect his glorious body and that new body will share the glory of God. And so now we return to where we started. None of us can or need to earn our salvation. God offers this to us freely. He reconciles himself to us, removing the source of conflict between him and us. And so in our search for peace, we work to maintain it by our faith, and we have true peace, peace which passes all understanding. That was won for us by Jesus and confirmed by the presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Just like our body gets fit and strong through exercise, so too faith gets fit and strong by exercising it. Search for peace and maintain it through life. Be encouraged that in life's ups and downs, God's love is such that he'll never let you go. It's never too late. He will never let you go. Exercise faith and peace will come to us. How do we search for peace? Through faith. It doesn't come by any other means. It's a faith practice. God's love is so much and such that he'll never let you go. And through the Holy Spirit, he is with you. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for peace. We thank you, Lord, that searching for peace through faith in you is what you've called us to do, that you've provided us with all these things that we need and you've done it all for us already, that we don't have to do it ourselves. Lord, I just pray peace upon everybody here. I just pray, Lord, that anybody who might be anxious for anything at the moment, Lord, your peace will come upon them and you will take away that anxiety, you will take away fears. Thank you, Lord, that you love us so much, that you sent your Son to die for us. In Jesus' mighty name.